Hello, my friend. My name is Haley Peters. I am your host of At the Bedside, and I am so happy that you're here. This podcast, I want this to be a safe space for us to come together and talk, to share our stories, to empower each other, to educate each other, and to help each other learn to heal from the things that are hard to talk about. Welcome to this episode of At the Bedside. I'm here with my friend Emily Tonart, and she is, I don't remember how I found her. I think I just kind of founder on social media and we just started talking. Yeah. Um but she is a mom of two. She is a certified personal trainer and she I'll of course share her Instagram um in the show description, but she is a wealth of knowledge about, you know, micro preemies and with workouts for busy moms and she just really shares a lot of positive stuff on her page. So we we have a lot in common there. And so I wanted to have her on just to kind of share her story and talk a little bit more about these topics because I feel like they don't get talked about a lot. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I don't know how we connected. I think it was through some of the workout videos, just randomly finding each other. And um, yeah. I think you commented something positive. I'm like, yes, girl, you know, like I just <laughs> love being able to connect with other people, um, especially, you know, in a positive way because life is hard, <laughs> you know, so Absolutely. it's nice to find those good connections. So um, very grateful to have found you. Um, And I'm excited to talk about Ezra and his journey and um, just share, you know, everything that's gone on with him and everything we've gone through. And really, you know, I share to encourage other people, um, you know, and to um, try to inspire other people just to keep going, because, again, life is really hard and it throws a lot at you, you know, but there's um, there's so much good that can come out of it. And so just, you know, really here to encourage. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So kind of take us, you have your four-year-old and that was your first baby. Yes. Um, So take us through kind of what that transition was like to having her and then finding out you were pregnant with Ezra and kind of, you know, I I think your water broke early. So just tell tell us all that. Yes. So, yeah. So I have a four-year-old, Riley, and um, she was born at 39 weeks and I think one day. So um, I was induced with her because um, I am considered high risk normally. Um, I do have what's called a bicornate uterus. um, And so it's actually a two kind of cavities. I forget exactly how we how it's described um because it's been a while since i've dealt with the kid <laughs> part of it you know but they're kind of two different lobes i think that um compose that plus uh blood clotting disorder that i have compose um you know kind of some high risk issues so they did induce me at 39 weeks um totally normal delivery um being a mom is super hard um <laughs> i you know always tell everybody i was really humbled and i still am by it because i've always wanted to be a mom and so i always thought like it would just be really easy i've always been kind of nurturing and so um definitely humbled just by you know i think that the constant demands of being a mom managing and learning how to get breaks and um you know that which i can you know talk about more later is why i focus on exercising because that that is my break you know and it, and it does so much good for you know my mental health and physical health and um so that's you know what kind of why i focus on that so anyway so we um decided so at six weeks because i was high risk i did have an ultrasound and they found a subchorionic hemorrhage um in the uterus and so they said you know this is something that we'll keep an eye on we'll make sure that your ob is aware and you know see kind of how it goes and um i'm sorry if i get emotional this whole story like just to think about like everything that you know i mean 
not just that I went through, but like everything that Ezra went through just to be here, like it, it, I'm already crying. So I started, I'm sorry. I, I'm like, it makes me so emotional. Like it, it just like, it, he's such a miracle. Like I, um, I started bleeding at 13 weeks. So I bled, um, from 13 weeks until the time I delivered him at 26 weeks. Um, and so, you know, there was always that fear of like, this is, this is it, you know, I'm, I'm miscarrying. I'm sorry, you know, to say that. And, um, I, I ended up in the hospital a few times and, um, just, you know, it was rough. It was a really rough pregnancy. When we went for our 20 week anatomy scan, um, the radiologist told us the best bet would be to terminate the pregnancy because of all the complications they were foreseeing. That was really hard to hear because that's not something I was interested in. And, and, you know, to have that much, um, pressure, if you will, from people that you're supposed to trust in the medical team, you know, in the medical field. And I like really thank God for my, um, OBGYN. Um, one of my girlfriends recommended him to me when I moved to the area and, um, he's, he was like just a godsend. And he said, you know, what do you want? And I said, I don't want to do that. He said, then you're not doing it, you know? And, and it just kind of, um, he's like, you'll, he'll be okay. You know? So I, at, you know, at the anatomy scan, they had found some things. So we had some further genetic testing and then finally just said, you know what it, whatever it says, it says, and whatever happens, happens, you know? So at 26 weeks, um, my water broke. It's so weird kind of how everything happened. Um, like just to back up a little. So the week before, literally a week before I had Ezra, actually the day before my water broke, um, I had a dream that night and I saw myself being transferred from the hospital bed, like one bed to another bed and saying to the nurses that were around me, I'm really scared because I was alone. And, um, they said, you're going to be okay. And like, it just like, it was like, well, that was weird, you know? So the next day I went to work, um, I had this like gut feeling in me and I took my daughter on a date that night. And then, so like, we went out to dinner, we like did some fun things. I got her snacks. And the minute that we got home, my water broke. And, um, my husband does, um, DJing on the side as like his hobby job. And so he was in Pennsylvania DJing a wedding for a friend. Um, so he was three and a half hours away and my water broke, you know, so I called the hospital or the OBGYN and they said, you know, call the hospital. So I called the hospital and they said, you have to come in for testing. And if it is your amniotic fluid, you're going to be here until you deliver the baby. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? And so, you know, again, at that point I was only 26 weeks. Um, and so thinking about being in the hospital for, you know, 10 to 14 weeks was just like crazy. You know, I hadn't been away from my daughter for more than a day at that point too. So just was very nervous, you know? And, um, so I called my mom, everything just, was like crap that night because of course my parents were on their first vacation that they've had in like years and they were in um somewhere in like virginia or north carolina or something like that and i remember calling them and i'm like i don't know what to do because i don't have anybody around here um like my friends that are around here have children also i can't just call them and like you know drop have them drop their kids and like my daughter was not really used to being at their houses and so I'm like I just it the whole situation was tough so my mom called my aunt who lives about an hour and a half away and she drove down my husband had to finish the wedding and then drive back and so when she woke up in the morning my husband was here but um so that you know worked out thankfully but um when I got to the hospital they said yes it's amniotic fluid and um you will be admitted and so um at that point 
you know, I was pretty devastated because I didn't know how long I was going to be away from my daughter. Like, I wasn't necessarily scared about what's going to happen with the baby because, again, like, what's going to happen is going to happen. And I'm in the hospital now, at least. So at least I'm in good hands, you know. <laughs> um, and so I just was more upset about, like, not seeing my daughter. Um, I was in the, like, birthing unit, but I was considered antepartum because I was still pregnant and they were trying to keep me pregnant. So um, the first couple steps of that are getting um, steroid shots into your butt um, to help with the baby's like respiratory system and breathing and lungs, especially because the baby was so young and the lungs weren't fully developed. Um, so they give you one shot every, I think, 24 hours. So it's just two shots. And then they also had tried magnesium with me to try to delay the labor um, I think I did like three or four rounds, but I ended up having like kind of a severe reaction um, to one of the rounds. And so because I, I had a blood clotting disorder too, the high risk doctor came and talked to my husband and I and said, um, you know, there's a very real chance that that both of them might not make it. And so we need you guys to decide if we need, if we can only save one, who are we saving? And so like, that was like weird, you know, to think about. Um, because, I mean, my husband was like, well, Emily, you know, like, he's like, I can't do this without you, you know, and, and it just, it's hard to think about, you know, and, and it just, um, it's tough to think about. It's weird. <laughs> um, but my OB came to see me later that afternoon and everybody left. My husband left, my OB left, that all the doctors left. The nurses were like, look, you had a really tough day today mentally. Why don't you, you know, get some rest? One of the nurses came in. She braided my hair and she was like, get, get some rest, you know, help me get kind of cleaned up a little bit. And she was like, you know, lay down. So um, I woke up a couple hours later and I was in excruciating pain. And here I was in labor, um, like, and they couldn't stop it. I was too far. So he was born at 26 weeks um, and six days. And um, I was alone for the delivery because my husband um, was here with our daughter. I called him and one of the nurses actually FaceTimed him. So he was able to at least see um, our son being born. Um, and then my parents drove back from their vacation and um, came to take over at the house for my daughter. So my husband could come be there. So um, my husband got to see him first in the NICU. And then I got to see him a couple hours later. So but he was um, when he was born, he was um, 12 inches, 12 and three quarter inches. And he was 900 grams or um, it's like one pound and about 15 ounces. So um, he's considered a micro preemie um, because of, you know, how small he is. But he's been such a miracle from like, uh, even like, that's why I get emotional, even during the pregnancy, you know, like he's meant to be here, you know, and I don't know, I don't know for what, I don't know if it was just, sorry, I get so emotional. Talking <laughs> about I don't know if it's just to like help me change my perspective because since, you know, I've had him, obviously, like my life changed totally. I've, I'm, I'm a totally different person than who I was before. And, um, you know, I think I, I'd like to think for the better. I think I still have a lot of, you know, change that I could make to be a better person. But I think he really, you know, drug that out of me because I had no choice but to like, step up and keep going, you know, and, and kind of push through. So when he was born, um, he was um, actually breathing pretty well um, in terms of breathing room air. Um, and so he didn't need any extra oxygen. He just needed the pressure um, to kind of help keep his lungs breathing. 
One of his biggest problems throughout his NICU stay was his eating because he suffered from severe acid reflux. And so he was never interested in eating. When he would have their acid reflux, he would hold his breath and then his heart rate would drop. You know, I think that was probably an uncomfortable feeling. So it was just kind of like cyclical. And um, he ended up with a G-tube. Um, so we still have that and primarily feed him through the G-tube, which is, you know, what I try to show people um, on Instagram, kind of sometimes the videos of setting up the machine or, um, you know, even the care for his G-tube, which has gotten so much harder as he's gotten bigger and and a little more wild, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> But he spent um, 151 days at uh, between a NICU and like a step down kind of hospital rehab. And um, when he was at the rehab, that was when he had his G-tube surgery. And he had um, something that's called a Nissen fund duplication, which um, tightens the top of the stomach, um, almost like a um, like a stomach stapling. Um, and it helps with acid reflux. And so um it also causes the baby to not be able to burp, or I guess, you know, if adults get it, which is not as common, but um, you can't release gas then. So all of the burping is done through the G-tube um, and that's called venting. So we put the syringe on the end and just kind of vent out the air. And then he also had a couple of, I think they were cysts um, lasered off of his um, vocal cords. So lots of things that like, you know, we've kind of kept an eye on that have, you know, thankfully come and gone. Um, Lots of different therapists, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy. He sees neurodevelopment, um, GI, his surgeons, um, lots of hospitalizations and, and things like that. But, you know, we're two years out now. He turned two in June um, and he will be two um, corrected um, here in a couple of days. And so we are seeing so many um, advancements in him, you know, developmentally and it's just, it's so cool, you know, and, and um, it re he really is such a miracle. Like every time, you know, we put music on and he's dancing or he's singing and he's smiling and it just, you know, his little mommy and it's, it's awesome, you know, and it's so cool to think about. Yeah. So um, I appreciate you letting me share that. And, um, you know, I hope it gives somebody hope that might be in the NICU too, you know, um, or have gone through that or maybe in the thick of it, because I remember, I remember looking for people to like kind of look up to, I guess, in a way, like who's been through this, who knows what's, who knows what I'm going through, who can I relate to? Because I lost quite a few friends going through this experience because of how hard it was. And I know it was difficult to process for myself and, you know, my husband, my family, like I know both sets of our parents really had a tough time with it, you know, and I just, you know, I, 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 I'm excited to be able to share it and like hopefully give somebody else hope that like you can make it through. You know, the NICU journey is such a roller coaster and there's a lot of lows, but there's also a lot of highs. And, you know, you really have to focus on every small thing that they do that's good. You know, it's so easy to get discouraged, like especially now that Ezra's two and he still has a G-tube and we still have some weeks that we use it 100%. You know, and it's like, man, I wish he was further along, but it's like, then there's days that he eats almost everything by mouth. And it's like, you know what, he's getting there on his own time, you know? So yeah, it just, um, he's so cool. <laughs> he is cool. <laughs> hey, just popping in for a quick second to tell you about this amazing, amazing website called ihelpmoms.com. I have been a coach on this website for a while now, and it just makes me so happy to share this website with other moms. 
This is a place where you can come for one-on-one care and support from coaches who are there for you in every aspect from newborn care and support to breastfeeding, to potty training, to maternal mental health, to child behavior, to starting a business as a mom. Whatever you need, there is a coach there that is ready and able to book a one-on-one call with you to help. It is an incredible, affordable resource, and it makes me so happy to share it. I personally primarily provide coaching and postpartum care, newborn care, and breastfeeding, and I wanted to let you know that I am offering a free 10-minute consultation for listeners of At the Bedside Podcast. So make sure that you go in. I will share my link in the show notes. Let me know what you want to talk about. You can send me a message right on the site. Let me know that you listen to this podcast by saying At the Bedside, and we will get our call booked and get you all squared away. While you're there, make sure you look around and check out everything the site has to offer. It is an amazing abundance of resources. I think it's it's just so important to share openly about these things because sometimes I feel guilty for calling myself like a NICU parent. Like Avery was in the NICU for two days. She was born at 34 weeks. And I mean, I feel blessed that she was able to come out and able to come home. But there's still like that fear that first day that she went in there and they, you know, they have to tell you she's going to be in here at least six weeks, you know, and I didn't get to see her for the first day. So it's like that first day fear, I think is something that everyone that has a NICU baby or NICU state, regardless of the time can relate to. Yeah, no. And I, I totally hear, um, kind of what you, it's almost like imposter syndrome because, you know, Ezra, for the longest time, like I've always considered him medically complex. And I would, and I don't say that lightly, you know, we've had so many doctors say to us, he's a mystery. He's a mystery. We don't know this. We don't know that. And that's part of what made me, you know, search on the internet for, Hey, who else has gone through this? Who else has experienced this? You know, even with problems like, you know, around this time last year, we were venting him almost constantly. And it was exhausting. It was hours at a time. And it was like, who else has gone through this? Because every time we went to the GI, they're like, this is normal. This is fine, you know? And so as he's progressed, especially it's like, okay, well, you know, am I still allowed to call him medically complex? I mean, he's technically still disabled, but do I get to like, and not that I want that or want that title, but that's where he fits right now. And, but I still feel that imposter syndrome around other people that have it worse, you know, because I, I, I recognize how lucky we are for Ezra to be as healthy he is, especially born at his gestational age. Like I, I fully, I think more so recently recognize that more than ever. Um, you know, I follow a lot of NICU pages and there's a lot of people who are not as fortunate as us. And um, yeah, so I, I, I totally, you know, feel where you're coming from. Yeah, I think it's just the unknown too, because like Avery, she did pretty much, you know, start hitting milestones and we never really went by her adjusted age because like she was just doing all the things. But in the back of my head, I always feel guilty because I'm like, well, what if when she gets in school and she's delayed, which, you know, I don't wish that, like you said, that's not something I right. want, but it's a reality you have to think about. Like exactly, she was born early. And even though it doesn't seem like it now, like looking at her, you wouldn't know that. It's like in the future, will it be a problem? And it's just right. you know having someone to relate to that can also like also has to think about those things. Yeah, definitely. And I think like, especially in a situation like that, like I always encourage people like, you know, monitor those things. And if your little mama heart is off at all, you know, don't be afraid to 
get an opinion from somebody or like, you know, find, seek advice. Don't be afraid to try multiple people, you know? And like, that's the one thing like I, we are in a beautiful place. We are in Baltimore, Maryland, and we have, you know, John Hopkins, University of Maryland. We've got GBMC, Mercy, like all these different hospital systems. I went to almost every single one of them for some <laughs> of his doctors. Cause I'm like, I don't, this doesn't feel right. I don't, you know, why are you telling me my son's a mystery? Why are you telling me that, you know, nope, I don't feel comfortable with you. You know, we've even gone to Philly for second opinions because I'm like, I don't, I don't know that I trust that information. And obviously, you know, you kind of need to take things with a grain of salt because, you know, I don't have a medical degree, you know, but you know, when something's off and something's yeah. not right. And, you know, seeking out those opinions or, you know, that help is so important, you know? Yeah. I always tell people, you know, I think of like when we were buying a house when my husband and I were buying a house, we, there was one point that we switched realtors and then we switched yeah. banks because like it, we just weren't driving. It wasn't, it wasn't good. Right. I don't think people realize they can do the same thing with doctors. Like you don't have to stick with one exactly. doctor or one OB or one pediatrician, you know, if it's not feeling right. Exactly. Yeah. And that, that's the one thing we had a stellar pediatrician and um, she's actually moved to Florida um, <laughs> recently. Yeah. And so we miss her. She um, was great, but I mean, I would run a lot of stuff by her too. And I'm like, this doesn't feel right. And she's like, Emily, you know, best that you get another opinion. You know, what's the worst that happens? You get another opinion and they say the same thing. So then you're like, okay, I'll go back to the first person. Cause we did have a good relationship. It was just one, you know, yeah. or maybe you leave entirely, but yeah, no, I always like, I, I think that's one place that like, I still kind of struggle a little bit though, especially when we're in the hospital of like advocating, but like also doing it nicely because yeah. <laughs> my patience has just gone out the window. Like when it comes to hospitalizations or doctors, and especially when they're, they're saying, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I'm like, this is my son. Yeah. What do you mean? You don't know. You know, we need, we need somebody else in here that knows then who knows your boss gets them <laughs> in here. You know what I mean? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm always, I'm like, look, you know, or, or speak up, you know, even like, you know, for myself, I was recently hospitalized and the, doc, the doctor came in saying something and I'm like, I'm sorry, I've done research. I'm not a doctor, but I've done research on XYZ. Why would you say that? And, and he's like, mm, okay, I didn't know that. Let me go back, you know? And then he came back and he's like, yeah, you're right. And so it's like, sometimes like as much as we want to believe that doctors know everything, they don't, they're human. Yeah. you know, and they might have great intentions and, and just not maybe great follow through, you know? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I mean, even I'm not a doctor, but even as a nurse, like I do OB triage, like I do phone triage on the phone. And so like, sometimes like I, I know a lot about labor delivery, but sometimes I'll get a call and I'm like, I have no idea. Like I have to yeah. research it and look it up and right. Same way with doctors. Like, things are evolving and, you know, things are changing and they have to learn and continuously research just like you would as a parent. Like they don't exactly don't know everything and that's okay. They, you know, they shouldn't be expected to know everything, but yeah, you have to make sure them. that they're doing their due diligence and, you know, taking the best care of you. Yeah. And I, I think that's one of the um, reasons too, that it's so important to like be able to talk to people about things like this, you know, and share information because then people do know things to ask or things to advocate for, or, you know, what, or they might hear, Hey, how about this? You know, or I know even, 
you know, for a little while, Ezra, um, his doctor had recommended um, potentially getting a GJ tube um, because he was just having a lot of issues with digestion. And so I went on to the mom's group, you know, on, on Facebook and, and just uh, the G tube, you know, or whatever it is group. And I'm like, Hey, what's your opinion? You know, and after talking to people, it's like, you get all these different facts, but then you get to make your own opinion, you know, and you get to figure out, okay, this is how I feel about it, you know, and, but, or, or different things to ask for. And, you know, so ultimately like for Ezra, we ended up with a medication change. And so we've been okay so far, but honestly, if we do have to get a GJ, we have to get a GJ, you know what I mean? It's not another formal surgery, you know, it's a pretty relatively easy placement and it's going to help him, you know, and that's, that's kind of like where I've chalked things up to recently is like whatever he needs to be helped, you know? Yeah. So do they think that he will eventually get to get rid of the G2? That's the goal. Um, so we were hoping that by like two or three, he would be able to get rid of the G tube. Um, but that's, that's not, um, realistic. Um, especially because, uh, you know, I was kind of saying before we started, I'm so nervous about cold and flu season just because, uh, you know, they bring home everything. And then with his system, you know, he just, um, has a hard time fighting it, you know? And, and so then he ends up getting pretty sick. Um, I've gotten, I think we've gotten it down to like, um, you know, some little tips and tricks, like I was saying elderberry and then I, lots of hydration and we kind of like, you know, hold off on food for a little bit and try to do what we can to make sure that he's better to avoid hospitalizations because, you know, being in the hospital then is just so, <laughs> so tiring and not something that we want to do, you know? Um, and that's why I'm like, I just really hope we can avoid that this season, you know? Well, that's good that, I mean, that's ultimately the goal is for it to be, you know, for him to work up to being able to have it removed. But, you know, like you said, yeah. it, he has to end up with a different tube or, you know, whatever he needs. Yeah. Good that you're open to it and you're good with getting other opinions. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I, I think he'll probably have it out um, sometime around, you know, elementary age. Um, it, you know, funny enough, I have a girlfriend from the area here whose daughter um, was in a pretty similar boat with being a NICU baby and having a G-tube. And um, her daughter had not used the G-tube for like three or four years. And the doctors were like, we're going to keep it in just to be on the safe side. And so she just took it out. And it, it does heal up pretty quickly, like a piercing yeah. does. You know, you just take proper care of it. And so she's had no, so I, I kind of like foresee a situation like that in the future. Like, okay, he hasn't used it in a couple of years. Let's take it out, you know, but yeah, definitely not for a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, you know, it's a little different situation, but I mean, when we were talking about getting different like opinions and with other doctors and stuff. I know that whenever I went to, I took Avery to the pediatrician because she was not gaining weight at first. Like, yeah, was not, she was very bad at latching, like did not want to eat. Um, and I took her to the pediatrician and they were like, yeah, you're just going to have to give formula. And I was like, you know, like, I don't think that's the only answer. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, it wasn't that I was against supplementing or against her getting formula. I just knew I was like, I'm, I'm making the milk. Like we just got to figure out what right. the disconnect is. So we went to a different pediatrician and I got on mom groups too. And I was like, Hey, you know, what did you do? And it, it's like, you don't think about things like, Oh, have they been checked for tongue ties or lip ties? Yes. And yes. 
you know, the reality that if the baby's born early, then they're going to have a harder time. And it's like, you can't just automatically skip to, oh, well, you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to do this instead. Right. That is an option, but it's not the only option. (laughs) Yes. And that's how I am. You know, if that's, if that's where it goes, okay, that's where it goes. But what other things can we look at first, you know? And like, that's, that's part of, you know, I guess to circle back, that's part of what got me involved with fitness too, because, you know, again, trying to take care of like my mental and physical health. Um, You know, I I have two diagnosed um, autoimmune disorders. I have Crohn's disease, Crohn's disease, which I've known about for probably at least seven years. Um, and so I try to manage that with diet and exercise just, you know, to, cause I, if I can avoid medication, great, you know, but that wasn't brought up. Like at first when the doctor was like, yeah, you have Crohn's, you know, what medication we're going to look at the medications. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. I'm like, hang on, hang on. What other things can we do first? You know, cause I've had some bad reactions to medications, just allergic, like funny things. And so I'm like, wait, can we avoid it? Can we do something? You know? And so now, um, I found out I have lupus. And so, you know, trying to move, you know, keep keeping, um, you know, the, the movement going, but then now also thinking even more about like anti-inflammatory things, you know, and it's like, we'll take ibuprofen. I'm like, wait a second, what can we take besides ibuprofen? You know, yeah. like, can I take a vitamin? Can I cut something out of my diet? Can I add something into my diet? You know, like I'm all about like adding things or moving things around and, you know, even to kind of like loop back with breastfeeding, you know, there was a point that my daughter was not doing well with breastfeeding. And I was like, do I need to change my diet? What do I need to do? You know? And luckily I had a great, great pediatrician who um, ended up getting me linked up with like a breastfeeding group. And that group was amazing. And, um, you know, appreciated that. But yeah, with preemies, they didn't, I, I know they didn't even check out Ezra until I think he was almost 18 months for a lip or tongue tie and he had both and they were pretty severe. And I had tried to breastfeed him too. And granted, you know, he still had the reflux issues and whatever, but I was like, why didn't anybody look at this in the hospital? You know, it's been 18 months. Why is this the first time? It just, it's so, it's so funny. It just feels like a lot of things, especially with mothering and babies are, are just very old, you know, and like there should be more proactive things and don't, I mean, talk about mother care. That's a whole nother conversation. (laughs) I could talk for a year on like what the care that mom should get after, you know, even like that, that first um, trimester, if you will, after having the baby was so brutal, so brutal. And uh, it is like, you know, not just with the preemie, with having a a regular child too, you know, with the breastfeeding or even just the demands of the feeding, the diapering, the changing your whole, it's like, oh my God, where's the mom support, you know? Yeah, it, it, it's not there like it should be. And right. I kind of said this in the last episode as well. It's, it's like we have to get away from once mom has the baby, like we're just focused on baby. Like we need to still worry about mom and make yeah. sure that mom is in the best health physically and mentally to take care of the demands of the baby. Yeah. Um, we're all going to be looking crazy. <laughs> right. Exactly. I know. Yeah, no, it's, it's, that's a whole nother thing. And something I think about often. And that's why I'm like, okay, how can you help other people? And, you know, that's part of the reason I started posting workouts um, on my Instagram too, you know, and just like posting, because if, if, if it helps somebody and maybe they can, you know, move that or copy, I don't know, you know, I just, I, I want to help people because I don't want to see people suffer, you know, being a mom is so hard and there's no reason to suffer alone, you know? Yeah. I think with anything, you know, but yeah, being a mom, especially. 
Yeah, I think we relate on that too. Um, and it was kind of a weird transition because I've been sharing workouts since 2019 and I was not a mom then. And it's like my reason for sharing workouts and, and posting back then is so different than it is now. Mm-hmm. You know, back then it was like, I just want to get people on a healthy routine. And now it's like, I want to help moms that need something. Yes. It transitions more from people that just want to get healthy to like, you need this for your own mental capacity to be able to deal with the demands of motherhood. 100%. Even if it's just to be able to have a mental break, like, honestly, I started a lot of my workouts just getting anger out and like using that to like, you know, like throw something (laughs) and like, lift heavy things. Like I just wanted to like get that anger out. And then after a while, I noticed I'm like, okay, I still feel anxious. But like, I definitely don't have as much anxiety as I used to. And like, I don't feel as depressed as I used to. And like, you know, I'm like, maybe something's here, you know? And so that's like, I just, you know, keep trying to, to do it, you know? And, and, um, it's funny though. I recognized like back after I had my daughter in 2019 that I had wanted to do this. And so I've actually had my certification since 2019 or 2020. Um, but, I haven't done anything really with it because I've just been so nervous and like, you know, and so I'm like, okay, I'm like, get out of your comfort zone, just start posting stuff, you know, and like the right people will follow, you know, and I think there's always that fear of like maybe losing people, you know, or like people getting annoyed. And it's like, you know what, my want to help people is way more than like, I don't care what these people think about me. Go ahead. Don't follow me. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah. If you lose people, you know, they just, they're not your people. They're not, they're not who needs to be in your corner if they get annoyed with you trying to help people. Right. Right. It was so good to talk to you. Thank you so much. I'm sorry. I cried. I like, I, I, again, like it just, it's so emotional and like, you know, I, I wasn't sure whether to say something or not too, but like really it having Ezra like led us to God. And so like, just like having such a deep appreciation for things and like how, beautiful everything turned out you know it just um it's just so cool and so I really appreciate you letting me share that absolutely well thank you for being here thank you for being so open and sharing um and I will like I said I'll put your Instagram in the description so that people can follow you um and thanks for joining us